with you this morning. Our reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 1 and I'm reading from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them all up like a robe. Like a garment they will be changed. But you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for their feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That season of Advent, and if you were with us last Sunday morning, you'll know we started a new series for Advent, uh, using the miracle on 34th Street as a a kind of sounding board, and we're thinking about the miracle on Manger Street, the miracle on Manger Street. Uh, Last week we looked at the miracle of the moment, this week we are considering the miracle of the message. And next week we'll be thinking about the miracle of the manger as we prepare our hearts and minds to celebrate Jesus' birth. Last week in the miracle of the moment we uh, noted that Jesus arrived at just the right moment in time. And we were looking at the passage in Galatians 4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. And we talked about the fact that Jesus arrived at just the right moment. And we talked about uh, kyrios, when eternity steps into time. And we talked about those kyrios moments, when we know that God is speaking, when we know that God is interacting. And we heard a little testimony from Gary. And I said there would be opportunities, brief opportunities, if anybody wants to share kyrios moments when God has spoken to them. So... So this week we're thinking about uh, the miracle of the message and we're in Hebrews chapter 1. 
Hebrews starts with a bang. Within the first two verses are some of the most mystical, theological themes in the Bible. Jesus, we hear, is the heir who will inherit all things. Jesus is the great agent for whom the universe was brought into existence. Jesus is the one who consciously and continually holds all creation in existence, moment by moment. But before we get too deep into the theology of that, we are watching week by week little clips from this film, Miracle on uh, 34th Street. And this week, thinking of the miracle of the message, we've got a little clip for you that we're going to show now. Did you see the miracle of the message? It was the way that uh, Chris Kringle was able to communicate with the deaf child in a language that she could understand. And there's a sense in which God is trying to communicate to a world which is deaf to what he has to say. And in trying to communicate to a deaf world, he too uses his son to communicate in a way that we can understand. And did you notice that it was the way that Chris Kringle communicated that made the small child wonder about who this person really was and whether or not he was the real Santa Claus. So we're thinking about the miracle of the message. And we're saying, first of all, that Jesus is the communicator of God's message to you. Jesus is the one who communicates God's message to you. The writer of Hebrews says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. He spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And of course, when we look at the Old Testament, we see some of the various ways in which uh, God spoke. He spoke to Moses in a burning bush. He spoke to Joseph through dreams and visions. He even spoke to Valum through a stubborn donkey. God has spoken in the past in many and various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. Donald Guthrie, writing about this passage, says, These stories, the prophets make heroic reading, but what they said was incomplete. The writer knows that it needed a better method of communication, and he recognises that this has come in Jesus Christ. What was said in the past prepared the way for the most important communication of all. God spoke in the past through the prophets, but it wasn't complete. It wasn't the whole story. In the Old Testament, there's a, at least about 300 references to the coming Messiah, direct references and many more indirect and suggestions. And as you read the Old Testament, you get this repeated message time and time again, somebody's coming, somebody's coming. We read it in our opening passage from Isaiah, when Isaiah prophesies, for unto us a son is given, speaking about something that's going to happen thousands of years later. In the past, God spoke prophetically. 
in the present, God speaks personally. He comes in the person of Jesus. If you'd never met me before, imagine that, you'd never met me before. Uh, what a travesty that would be. But you'd never met me. And uh, you received a letter telling you all about Richard Booth. He's five foot ten. He's got a moustache and short hair. He tells terrible jokes. It might about just about give you enough information if you were meeting me at the station to, to perhaps pick me out of the crowd. You'd be looking for this five foot ten guy with a moustache, uh, with people falling about laughing around him as he, as he tells his, his jokes. Uh, but it wouldn't really tell you very much about me. It would be only when you met me in person and spoke to me and interacted that you'd really find out about who I was. And God wanted his people to know who he was. And he'd spoken through the prophets. He'd given them glimpses. He'd given them pictures. But it was incomplete. And finally, he speaks very personally through his son. Jesus is the communicator of God's message to you. The book of Hebrews is wanting to tell us that Jesus is greater. And he, he contrasts uh, the Old Testament with Jesus. And he says that Jesus is better than the prophets. The prophets could only tell you so much about God through what they received from God. But Jesus gives us a better idea of what God is like than the prophets. It goes on to say that Jesus is better than the angels, the divine beings that came down from heaven and spend their time in heaven worshipping God. Jesus is better than the angels. And later on in Hebrews, it goes on to say that Jesus is better than Moses and Jesus is better than the law. This is the message of Hebrews time and time again. He contrasts the old to show that Jesus is better and greater and he's fulfilled all the things that were spoken about in the Old Testament. Jesus is greater. So Jesus is the communicator of God's message to you. He speaks directly to us. We no longer have to go through the priest. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that the minister is the priest and you have to go through the minister to get to God. You don't. You can speak to God and God can speak to you directly. And he has done, and that's the testimony of so many people. And that's why we want people to share testimonies about the way in which God has spoken. Jesus is not just a communicator of the message. He is the message. Jesus is the message. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the message. He's not just telling you about God who's up in heaven. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is through Jesus. So Jesus, he not only brings the message and tells us what God is like, he is the message. Jesus is the message. So Jesus is the communicator of God's message to you. How do we know that? Well, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that Jesus is the creator, the one who maintains this world. It's amazing, isn't it, that this, this book of Hebrews was probably written 20, 30 years after Jesus had died and risen and gone to heaven. And already, people 
had started to think about who Jesus actually was, about the divine nature, about the fact that God was, was, was involved with Jesus in the creation of the world and that Jesus is the one who sustains the world, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe, through Jesus. In the passage that we're looking at next week, we, we hear that the word was with God and the word was God. And through that word, he created all things. So Jesus, uh, the miracle of the message is that Jesus is the one who is the creator. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, an exact reputation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That Jesus is actually sustaining the world. Take away Jesus and the world collapses, according to the writer of Hebrews. And he's the exact reputation of his being. The exact reputation of his being. Tom Wright writes this about this passage. He says, God has for a long time been sending advanced sketches of himself to his people, but now he's given an exact portrait. If you want to know what God is like, you only have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus shows us and demonstrates what God is like. In the Old Testament, we get glimpses, we get images, we get pictures. But in the New Testament, we get a picture of what God is like. He is a person, and we see that person in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus is the creator who maintains this world. This is, this is heavy theology in, in, in just a, a few verses. Uh, the writer's wanting to tell us about who Jesus was, and he almost blows our minds with what he's telling us about the Son of God. Jesus is the creator who maintains this world, but there's more. There's more. Jesus is the conqueror, having purified this world. Jesus is the conqueror. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand in the majesty in, the majesty in heaven. Jesus Again, going back to is greater, is better. Jesus performed a better sacrifice than that of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we read about the significance of sacrifices, how the people sinned and had to go and present sacrifices. And they did it time and time again because they kept on sinning and they kept on uh, repeatedly bringing these sacrifices. And it was something that was repeated time and time again. And it was never enough. They could never do enough. And again, Hebrews tells us later on, talking about Jesus, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
And at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the, the law, since it's only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have to be had consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins, year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins in chapter 10 we see that Jesus is a better sacrifice talks about the need for sacrifice talks about the provision for a better sacrifice and it talks about the effectiveness of this better sacrifice and the fact that Jesus sacrifice does not need to be repeated it is a once and for all time his sacrifice on the cross but this will of God we have been sanctified through this will of God we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. One sacrifice for all the sins of the world for all time. So you and I can receive forgiveness. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, then we can receive forgiveness. There is no sin which cannot be forgiven because of what Jesus has done on the cross once and for all. So Jesus is the conqueror, having purified this world. It's been done. It's happened. All we have to do is receive. And Jesus, finally, is the one who is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. After he had provided purifications for sin, after he died on the cross, and after he rose again, he he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The end of Mark's gospel we read, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And so when we pray to God, we have someone sat at his right hand who understands us, who we're told intercedes for us on a daily basis. This is the supremacy of Christ that the writer of Hebrews wants us to understand. Jesus is the one who is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the miracle of the message. This is the message that we have to take out into the world. A miraculous message. A message that was brought in person. A message that can transform people's lives. A message that you and I have received. And a message that you and I can carry to a broken world that's still crying out for a Messiah. That's still longing for someone to come and to make everything better. Well, Jesus has come. He has died. And he has risen again. And now he is seated at the right hand of God. And that makes all the difference in the world. Everything changes through Jesus.